Matthew chapter number 5, Matthew chapter number 5 this evening, and uh, we, will, uh, we will continue on tonight in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 5. I appreciate those of you, if you remembered, praying for me as I preached the funeral of Brother Stevens, and uh, the Lord uh, helped us, and I'm grateful uh, he was a dear friend of mine for many years, and uh, I, I, I preached a two-point message out of James 4, What is Your Life? And uh, I, I said about Brother Stevens, uh, I said he was a rich man, not in gold and silver and mansions and lands, but he was a rich man in the fact that he had family, he had a daughter, had uh had had sons and and had uh, uh, known love of a family, and then I gave his testimony of when God saved him and said he was a rich man because he had a testimony of salvation. Boy, don't that make you rich? And uh, but then I said, but the second thing that stands out in my mind as I consider his life is not only that of of riches, but that of regret. And I said, if I if, if, if you would be honest, those that were there knew him. I said, those that are here that know him, you know it may not be popular funeral preaching. I said, but that's reality where he lived. I said, you could see it in his eyes. You could see it on his countenance, regret. And uh, I said, he died with a whole lot of regret. And though at the end, he didn't make a lot of things right and, 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 and fix some things. Couldn't undo them and he couldn't start over, but he died with regret and uh, I said you could see that and uh, it stands out and uh, I thought about that as I thought about uh, you and me and uh, what God is doing and what God wants to do what God can do I want to no doubt we'll all look back with some regrets but I don't want to end with 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 regret that I didn't serve the Lord I don't want to end with the regret that I quit serving the Lord. I don't want to end with the testimony I used to teach Sunday school. I used to sing in the choir. I used to be a part of ministries. I used to worship the Lord. I used to be faithful. I used to give. But then I got out. I quit. If you don't, if you don't know the Lord, then really that won't make much difference to you because all of this is a rule and a law to you anyhow and it's just misery. If you don't know Christ, all of this is miserable to you. And you're looking for a way out. You want a way out. And if you could find a way out and save face and not, not lose pride, you'd take it because religion without Christ is pure misery. It's laws, it's rules, it's regulations, it's how much can I do to make people think that I know him. That's a headache. It's miserable. But if you know him, that changes the game. If you know him, that, that changes it all. Sure, you'll come to church on a Wednesday night and be tired. Sure, you're not always, you know, waiting for them to unlock the door. There's going to be some days you're going to say, you know, I might would just stay home. And you come on anyhow, and the Lord helps you, and you say, well, I'm sure I'm glad I didn't stay home. 
But it's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not law. Though there are some laws in your life that God put there and thank God that they are there. I kind of like what they call the law of gravity. I like being down here. How about you? Glad I ain't got to hold on to something tonight and just float away. Glad I'm planted here. Not all laws, I, not all laws are bad. They're good. God gave us some, but that's not why we're here tonight. And I don't want to live my life and come to the end of it and it be regrets is why I did not serve God, why I quit serving God. And so I want to encourage you tonight, get all you can get every time you can. Love on the Lord, stay close to the Lord, stay pliable in the hands of God. Humble yourself. It's a Bible command, by the way. I'm going to run that one by you again. I want everybody in here to hear me. Humble yourself. God told you to do that. If you don't do that, He can. You don't want Him to. Humble yourself. You know the opposite of humility? Pride. You say, well, I don't think I'm humble, but I'm not proud. I'm somewhere in the middle. There's no middle. You're either humble, humbling yourself, or you're proud. In a moment in your life, it is either humility or pride. You let pride start running your life. You let pride start making your decision. You let pride keep you off the altar, get you out of a ministry, get you out of the things of God. You let pride uh, uh, make you have to win an argument, make you have to be right. And it won't be long, your heart will be hard and you'll be out with regrets. And so God command, humble yourself. That'll keep you in. Well, I don't want to go back. Everybody knows what I've done. You, that don't make a difference. Well, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to. I, I, I remember one of the things that he said to me when I went to his house a couple weeks ago. He said, I wish I would have never left. I wish I would have gone back. I wish I would have gone back. And if I get better, I'm giving you my word. And I believe it. He meant it at that point. He said, I'll go back if I get better. He said, I don't know if I will, but if I do, I'll go back. And here's what he said. He said, everybody knew what had happened. Most of y'all don't even know him. But 12 years ago, he was my song leader. 12, 13 years ago, he was the adult Sunday school teacher. 12, 13 years ago, he was a right-hand man to me. Helped me. Helped our church, his family, his wife, his children. They were in our youth group. He said uh, everyone knew what had happened. His wife and him had split up, and he said, I was so embarrassed. He said, I could not go back because pride wouldn't allow. He said, and I got bitter. And he said, bitterness has made an old man out of me. Bitterness has made an angry man out of me. Oh, I want to tell you, when you get to the end, I don't want to get to the end and be angry and bitter. You say, well, I don't plan on it. Well, are you right now? Some of you are angry and bitter right now. You ain't even got out of your 20s yet. 
You're angry and bitter and you're in your 30s or 40s. Oh, it's not going to be good at the end. God can give you a submission and a sweetness and a spirit down in your soul that wants to please. Boy, isn't it good tonight? Amen. Matthew chapter number 5. Let's stand for a minute. Let's read one verse. Verse number 13. Matthew 5 and verse number 13 tonight. Uh, remember as we, as we preach this 13th verse that it is in connection with everything that has already been said. And all of these beatitudes, they are attitudes of the Christian heart. They are attitudes of the child of God. Not one of these are qualifications of receiving salvation, but instead they are products of having received salvation. This is a work that God does in your heart through your life after you've been saved. Now, verse number, th- uh, verse number 13. Christ makes a statement to the same group that he's talking to, and I believe primarily to the disciples. But with no doubt it is to those that are Christian. It is to those that are believers. It is to those that are of faith. In Christ. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Wherewith shall the earth, that you are the salt of the earth, if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Verse 14, he tells us that we are the light of the world. He gives us two illustrations uh, that we would understand. Your salt and your light. I want to preach just the one tonight and probably won't finish it. Actually, I know I won't uh, finish it. I'll come back next Wednesday night, Lord willing, and finish Uh, preaching on the salt of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for meeting with us tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. I pray, God, now as we open the bread of life, as we preach your word, God, that you would give us liberty and unction and wisdom and discernment. Help us tonight, oh God, we pray. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Again, I want to say that this is in connection with these, uh, these Beatitudes in verse number 3 down to verse number 12. This is red letter words. Uh, if you have a red letter Bible, and simply what that means is Christ is the one speaking. Uh, you find red letter words in your New Testament. It is Jesus doing the speaking, not all uh, give, give it in the red letter, but you can read the context and find out This ain't Peter talking, this isn't Andrew talking, this isn't James or John, but this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not Matthew talking, though he is transcribing and giving us uh, the book of Matthew. This is Christ speaking, and he looks at his congregation. He looks at the church. He looks at what would become the church. He looks at his disciples, and he says, Ye are the salt... Of the earth. Uh, I want to give you four thoughts about me and you, the church, the Christian, being the salt of the earth. I'll give you two of them tonight. 
We'll come back next Wednesday night, Lord willing, and I'll give you the other two. Uh, I, I'll give you the first two tonight. Number one, I'll just jump right in and just make it as simple as possible. Uh, I want you to notice the first truth that I want you to see in verse 13 is that there is a powerful declaration. We find it right here in verse number 13, a powerful declaration. The Lord Jesus says to his disciples, he says to the congregation that are believers, he says to those that possess these uh, 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 Christian characteristics, these beatitudes, he says to the reader, you and I, who will come along some 2,000 years later and read this text, and those who have been saved, he says to us that ye are the salt of the earth. What a powerful declaration. You say, why is that a powerful declaration? Well, we're going to look in just a moment at, 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 at some of the definitions of maybe uh, why that's so important that we're the salt of the earth. Uh, but I would say to you tonight that it is powerful in the fact that Jesus says it is what you are. It is not what you will be. It is not what you should be. It is not what you ought to be or what you can be or what you might be one day. It is not what you need to be. It is not what you are uh, ought to be striving to be. But Jesus looks at this crowd and says, If there's any salt in this earth, it's you. Ye are the salt of the earth. The church, the child of God, the Christian, that one who has been born again, that one who is a believer in the blood and the, and the salvation of the Lord Jesus. He said, ye are the salt of the earth. Uh, we, we, we read in the text that the salt might lose its savor. We read in the text that the salt might be trodden underfoot but it never loses uh, its element of being salt. It never loses its uh, uh, name or its uh, application uh, of being salt. He said, ye are the salt of the earth. Uh, I guess tonight I can rejoice for a minute, and that's not what I came to do, but it's probably worth mentioning tonight uh, that there is blessed assurance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we like to use a term uh, called eternal security, uh, and I like that. I'm not opposed to that. I appreciate that. I believe in that. But here's the Bible. Uh, here's what the Bible calls it, the assurance of the believer. Uh, and we are assured of our salvation because of who it came from and because uh, uh, of where it came from, uh, and because of its work that it does in our heart. We are secure in Christ. We are saved in Christ. We are assured in Christ. And all of that assurance comes to the child of God having been saved. Uh, uh, the uh, salt uh, remains salt. But, but the application that I would want to make to you tonight is more along the lines of, of this. A lot of times we tell people, this is what you need to be. This is what you ought to be. This is what you should be. This is what you need to work towards being. And Jesus just flat out told him, he said, this is what you are. 
Now, you might not be good at it. You might not be available. You might not be uh, making application. You might not be, uh, you might not be uh, doing your job, but you are the salt. And if there's any salt tonight in Burke County, in Richmond County, it is you that are, that is, that salt. If there's any salt in your family, it's you. If there's any salt over there where you work, it's you. If there's any salt in your school, it's you. If there's any salt in your home, it is you. Whether you're being applied or not, whether you're being making yourself available for God to use you or not, whether you're making yourself usable in the hands of God, ye are the salt of the earth. And I'd look around tonight, and uh, you would as well, and I would say, boy, this earth needs some salt. And we'd say, boy, I wish we'd get a politician that was a little salty. Boy, I wish we'd get some leaders and some, uh, some Christians. But Jesus looked at you, and he said, you are the salt of the earth. Well, I wish our youth group was more spiritual. Well, you are the salt. Well, I wish our home was, was more godly. Well, you are the salt of the earth. Well, I wish our town, I wish our school, I wish our church. I, you can wish and wish and wish and wish all day long. And yet Jesus looked at that crowd and said, you're living in a corrupt world. You're living in a filthy world, an ungodly world. But there's some salt in that world and it's you. Aren't you glad to be among the number? Aren't you glad to belong to him? Ye are the salt of the earth. A powerful declaration. But I want you to notice tonight what I'll, what I'll spend our time tonight on. We'll, we'll go to the house. I want you to notice this evening a possible definition. When, when the Lord says, ye are the salt of the earth, what, what does that mean? Because you, uh, in 2024, you can buy Morton salt. In one of them little blue containers, you can fill up your salt shaker, your neighbor's salt shaker, and your kids' and your grandkids' salt shaker, and 30 years down the road, they steal some salt in that Morton salt container. I mean, it's easy to come by. Uh, and just any old average Joe, I mean, you can be, you can be dirt floor poor, and you, you got salt in your house. You can just got married and don't have a, a, a pot to cook with, but you got salt. Uh, I mean, that's just easy. And if you don't, it's because you don't want it. It ain't because it's inaccessible to you. One thing I studied and researched and realized that when the Lord said this, and this crowd understood what he meant when Jesus said this, salt was a treasure. Salt was a commodity. Salt was a, 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 an object of great desire. You ever heard the statement, well, they're not worth their weight in salt? You ever heard that? Well, that person's not worth his weight in salt. You know where that comes from? There was a time, believe it or not, when soldiers and servants in the days of Christ and days before that and days after that when soldiers and servants were often paid with salt. 
Salt was such a treasure because there was no refrigerator, there was no uh, freezer, there was no Ziploc bags, and you put uh, the meat that you bought at the at the Win Dixie or Food Line or KJ's, and 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 put that in a Ziploc bag and put that in a freezer. And so what they would do is if meat was slaughtered, if meat was killed and it was hung up, they would put salt on it and it would preserve it. And that was how they kept all of their good. Not, not only did it bring a great taste, and we'll look at that in a moment, but it was literally a treasure because you could take everything that you killed and you could preserve it by using salt. And the hide of that animal could be preserved. The meat of that animal could be preserved. And if you needed anything in your house, you needed salt at your house. And so they paid uh, soldiers and servants wages. And it was often paid in salt. I read somewhere today that, uh, that uh, there was a time when salt was more valuable. Imagine this. Where salt was more valuable than gold. Well, if that was the case, I'd be a wealthy man. I've ate more gold. Help me right there. I mean, I poured on them chips at the Mexican restaurant like it's going out of style. Salt the, was a treasure. And some have said, and I wouldn't argue with them, I, I can see that when Jesus looked at this crowd. When Jesus looked at these believers, when Jesus, and I think you'll agree with this, when Jesus looked at these who knew him, these who had trusted him, these who would make up his church, some have suggested that Jesus is saying, just like Saul, you are a treasure in this earth. How many of you could at least agree with that? The church is a treasure in this world. Ye are the salt of the earth. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said about the church that it is, uh, the church is likened rather unto a pearl of a great price. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through verse 27, Jesus, uh, uh, or the Bible commands us, Paul writes, and he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Watch this, verse 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Jesus said in Matthew 13, he likened the church unto a pearl of great price. And in Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul and the Holy Ghost says about the church that it is likened unto a, or the wife, the husband is to love the wife the same way Jesus loves the church that he might present it one day to himself a glorious church. He said about the church, it is glorious. I, I, I think tonight that I could go along with those who would say that the church is a treasure in this world. If the church is, then that, that makes up the church is. The child of God, can you imagine this world tonight without a Christian in it? Can you imagine this world without a, a saved child of God, someone in your world that knows God? You may have grew up without Christians in your world, but they were affecting your world. 
You may have grown up without that in your life, but somewhere in the background they were affecting your life. And one day God brought one into your life, or many into your life, and look what the church has done. Hallelujah! I believe it's a treasure. You are the salt of the earth. Could it be? As Jesus gives this statement regarding the church, that one possible definition is that it is a treasure. If so tonight, if I'm the salt of the earth, if I am a treasure, if we are a treasure to the earth, then God make us applicable. God make us usable. God make us fit in the hands of God that which He can work with. If I am a treasure, then I want to be spent. Oh, y'all help me tonight. If I am a treasure, I want to be used in my home, in my life, in my world, in my county, where I work, with what I do. If I am a treasure, I want God to spend me. You are the salt of the earth. Lord, if I'm a treasure, then would you spend me? But, but, But then there's other uses for salt. We're just going to look at five or six of them and we'll quit. Uh, Some have suggested that he says to the church, ye are the salt of the earth because salt uh, in its color, in its makeup, it is white. It looks like crystals uh, uh, often and it's even called salt crystals. but, But they liken the color of salt in its whiteness to the purity. Uh, White often... uh, describe something that is clean, something that is pure. Certainly not talking about the color of one's skin, but, but the color of a garment. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It symbolizes something that is pure. And when that salt is poured out, it is white. It is without blemish. It is one solid color. And they have been those that said when Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, that what he was saying is that this earth lacks impurity. And we know that's true. This world lacks impurity. We know that's true. And, 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 and it was suggested by some that Jesus is saying to the church, you're the only thing that's pure in this world. You're the only thing that's clean in this world. And uh, I remember the day uh, that I had a black heart. I remember the day that sin had colored and tainted my life in such a way uh, that it was filthy, it was vile, it was vulgar, it was ungodly. But I love uh, reminiscing about the day that Jesus took my old wretched heart all to pieces and, 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 and cleansed it and made me. And again, I'll quote it, though your, skin, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Somebody said that Jesus is the only one who can take a black heart, dip it in red blood, and bring it out white as snow. Oh, I like that. And so could it be a possible definition? Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. He's saying, you're a treasure. Could it be the, a possible definition? Ye are the salt of the earth. He's saying, you are that that is pure. 
And oh, by the way, I don't feel pure. I don't think I'm pure in my own mind. But in Christ Jesus, I'm justified. I'm clean. I'm washed. The moment God saved you, He made you fit for heaven. You're as clean as you'll ever be in the eyes of God. You're as washed as you'll ever be in the eyes of God. The blood of Christ has cleansed all sin, past, present, and future. I am purified through Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, verse 15. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, and he's saying, You're pure. And God let me live in the purity, the holiness that you, have, that you have put in my life. Oh, that ought to be our prayer tonight. I want to be what I am. If I'm clean, I want to be clean. If I'm justified, I want to live and live up to what I am. I want, to, I want, to, I want my life to honor God in that that I do. Be ye holy as I am holy, he said. And now, here's the third thing tonight about salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. Could it be that it is purity? Could it be that it is uh, treasure? All these things so far, they do define salt. Could it be tonight, some have suggested that, uh, that it is the stinging operation of salt that Jesus had in mind. You ever, uh, you ever had uh, a sore in your mouth? I, I used to, when I was a kid, uh, get, get ulcers in my mouth, and my, uh, my, my mom would tell me, she'd say, wet your finger, pour some salt on it. And, and put your finger on that spot, and it'll hurt like the dickens. Oh, I'm telling you, it will, won't it? But in just a moment, all that stinging will quit, and that salt will draw out the infection. That salt will begin to work its work and begin to heal. You ever had a paper cut and grabbed a French fry? And you know what happens. Woo! That salt goes to stinging. Salt is poured into a sore. It is poured into an infection. It is poured into an open wound. And it begins to sting. And some have suggested that when Jesus looked at the church, when Jesus looked at the Christian and he said, Ye are the salt of the earth. That Christ was said that you are what stings this world. As we read the Beatitudes and we find out in the Beatitudes uh, uh, that they uh, begin to persecute the child of God, it is because they have been, uh, they have experienced the sting of conviction uh, that brings them to a point that they hate the Christian. And no doubt, we've seen it through history, we've seen it in our own life, that when you live uh, in the righteousness of Christ, not your own but His, it does a stinging work. In society. That's why folks will hide their beer when the preacher shows up. 
It is not because I am more holy than you in and of myself, but it is because the righteousness of Christ stings. That's why a man will talk filthy and vile and vulgar. And I say a man, women are pretty good at it nowadays too. Filthy and vile and vulgar. And then they find out, oh, you're a Christian. And immediately, it's amazing if they have any character at all, they'll fix the way they were talking. And you'd be surprised how spiritual they can get. I mean, they'll be cussing you and your dog in one minute. They find out you're a Christian and they'll say, oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus. <laughs> oh, 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 hold on, what, what happened there? Oh, we just had conversion right here on the spot. Oh, the child of God, the Christian. Ye are the salt of the earth. Salt stings. I want to say to you tonight, don't hide your light. Don't hide your salt. Don't, 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 don't tiptoe around in this life. Say, well, I don't want to upset anyone. Let your life sting. Let your life sting the wounds of those that need repair and conviction. It may hurt for a moment, but it'll be better in the long run. We, 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 we live in a world now where church don't want to sting anybody. And I don't have time to get off on all this, but I'll just go ahead and say it. We, we put billboards all over and we put Facebook posts saying, we want you to come to our church. It won't sting you a bit. We're proud of what we allow. We're proud of what we tolerate. We're proud that you can come here and be just as comfortable as you want. You can live in all the sin you want to and you can stink to high heaven and your wounds can be open and putrefying and we won't pour any salt at all in that wound and you can leave here just as good feeling as you came here. The problem is is you're rotten in a way and what you need is a little sting of salt to let you know that there's something better than the dying on the inside you're doing. Thank God when I was coming up, I had preachers, I had Christians, I had Sunday school teachers, I had people in my life that did not mind. They weren't self-righteous and they weren't boasting and they weren't proud, but they didn't mind being a Christian in front of me even if it hurt my little old feelings. But I don't want to tell them I'm a Christian. They've already been cussing. Go ahead and tell them. They may need to sting a little bit. Hey, no, I, I've been there. I mean, I've had them. They weren't cussing me, but I just mean cussing a blue streak. And just to the point where I was like, I don't know if I want to tell them. It's going to be embarrassing. Go ahead and tell them. They might need to go home stinging a little bit. Are y'all hearing me? Some have suggested, I've only got two or three more of these, a couple more, I'm, I'm hurrying. Some have suggested that ye are the salt of the earth, that, that, that what we've given you already, it stings, it, it represents purity, it's a treasure, but some have said it is the flavor. And I could go along with that as well. Man, I can't imagine this world without the beauty and the savory taste that comes along with the church. I mean the real church. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And those who have tasted of his goodness, there's something about that that they just bring to the table with them. And they bring an element of savor. to. They bring an element of, of satisfaction. They bring an element of, of, of zest into life. You can take french fries, cook the same exact way from McDonald's. And sometimes they, they lose that salt shaker. You ever, you ever gone through McDonald's and you thought, and it may not be your thing, but if you like good French fries, McDonald's is where it's at. It's just, it's just the truth. Everybody knows that's what they're known for. I mean, they got some other good stuff too, but if you're craving good French fries. I ate a salad today for lunch because I'm eating healthy. I ate a salad at Subway and I topped it off with some French fries from McDonald's. <laughs> you can't get too healthy, it's unhealthy. It's not good for you. And so I, I, was, I was feeling kind of cantankerous, you know, kind of uppity and stuff, eating salad for lunch. So I was like, I, I need to come back down to the real world, you know, and get me some french fries. It fixed me right up, leveled me right out. I've bought them before, though, and you want to take them back in there. And, I'm sorry, y'all forgot the salt. And I'm going to need you to empty these out and refill it again with some that have salt on. But today... My salad fries, <laughs> they had the right amount of salt. And it took just a regular old bland potato, and it took it to a level of perfection. Huh? I soaked it down with Diet Coke, because that, that just helps too. You level out the sugar, you know. You don't need all that sugar in your life. You need some salt, healthy salad here now and Put some fries and then Diet Coke, take away the sugar and you're good to go. That's a good diet plan. Oh my. I mean, it brought zest. It brought flavor. I enjoyed them fries. If, if you take away the salt, I'm just eating to survive. Y'all help me right there. I mean, that's the truth. There ain't nothing in this world that tastes as good as it does when you sprinkle some salt on it. I mean, watermelon is good on its own, but salt tastes good on watermelon. Popcorn, salt, and apple tastes good with salt on I'm not suggesting you do this. You might go into cardiac arrest. I'm just telling you, if you want to spice it up a little bit, salt is where it's at. Taste brings it to life. It takes the bland and it brings flavor. It takes that that tastes like nothing and it makes it enjoyable. And honey, I remember the day when Jesus come along and saved me and he took the old bland of my life and he gave it something that made it enjoyable. I have found that church and the people of God have brought the greatest joys to my life. Flavor. You are the salt of the earth. Could it be that he was saying you are what makes this world flavorable? I'll tell you what else it does. It'll make you thirsty. I'm, I'm close to closing. It'll make you thirsty. You won't 
something to drink. You'll get some salt intake in. And you'll go to, oh, I am parched. I need something to drink. Salt will make you thirsty. Boy, I've hung around some Christians that were salt of the earth kind of people. And when I got done hanging out with them, I thought, boy, I'm thirsty. And I know where the fountain's at. I know who the water is. (laughs) Come unto me. He said to that woman at the well, he said, I'll give you a drink. You'll never thirst again. Salt makes you thirsty. Maybe a possible definition is you are the salt of the earth. If they're going to want me, it's going to be because you're in their life and you make them thirsty. If that's the case, let God take your salt shaker of life and pour it out where you work, pour it out where you play, pour it out everywhere in your life. There's somebody around you that has gone down for the last time. They are in deep despair and thirsting to death for the righteousness of Christ. We'll find out they're thirsty and they need a drink. Here's the last thing tonight about this salt ye are the salt there's a a powerful declaration because all of these things it's you the child of God here's the last one tonight salt is a preserver and it would imply that the earth is corrupt and needs preserving Can you imagine tonight what this world would look like in 2024 had there never been a church, had there never been a Christian, had there never been a child of God? Can you imagine that? What America, and it wouldn't even exist. England. If if you study history, you'll find out that all of these nations that exist today, many of them were carrying the Bible to a new land. England was it was called Angleland, and 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 many Anglicans went to Angleland uh, looking for freedom uh, uh, to serve God, and they brought over the Bible to Angleland, and it was preserved, and it was uh, uh, translated into the King James Bible, and then they 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 flew and fled tyranny and they came to America Uh, and and when they got here they established the United States of America carrying the word of God in this land and Angleland or England exists because of Christians for the most part you take them out of the world I know Washington is corrupt but you take Christians out of the world and the Holy Spirit out of the world you take the church out of the world What a corrupt land it is. They take that meat. We'll close with this. They take that meat and they'd hang it up and they'd pack it with salt. They'd cure it. You ever heard heard of curing ham? They'd cure it. And that salt would keep the rot and the infection and the corruption from getting a hold of that meat. And it worked as a barrier. And it would preserve it for days and weeks and sometimes months. 
they'd, they'd kill a, an animal and they'd take the hide. I remember when I was a boy, we used to, my, my brother or my neighbor, um, Brent, we decided we were going to start tanning hides. And, and the only thing I knew about tanning hides is that's what my daddy always told me he was going to do and did do. I'm going to tan your hide. And if you ain't ever had a good hide tanning, you probably deserve and need one. Uh, my daddy would tell, and so I got older, and, and I found out that actually tanning hides was not a whipping. It was, uh, we'd take the hide of an animal, and so we started looking for roadkill. You do what you got to do. And so we, we, I went, I, I went down to the, to the, uh, deer processor during deer season I said hey do you have any hides and he said yeah I got plenty get all you want well I got a couple of them and we tanned them well deer season ended and so you know we wanted to keep up the good work and um, so raccoon season never ends because they just run over them <laughs> and skunks and rabbits and so we would get these animals we'd pick them up off the side of the road and we'd gut them and we'd skin the hide and we'd take that we'd take that hide We'd stretch it out, and in order to preserve it, we'd put salt on it. And that salt would keep it, you, you hang that up for a day without any salt, and it'll be so rotten, so corrupt. But you put that salt on it, and it won't smell, it'll, it'll, it'll hold its, 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 its corruption from taking over. And I believe tonight of all of these suggestions, and I'm going to close, I believe tonight that the definite, when Jesus looked at them and said, ye are the salt of the earth, I believe he was literally saying the only thing that's kept all this from falling apart, the only thing that's kept all of it from coming unwound, undone, the only thing that's kept it from literally rotting at its core is that in this world there's been a child of God. In this world there's been a Christian. In this world there's a church. Aren't you glad there's a church in your town? Aren't you glad there's a Christian in your home? i tell you what's kept your home together. It is the great Christ that is living in you. A Christian. Let me give you a Bible verse and close. You can come on the piano tonight. Second Thessalonians. I'm going to back up what I'm telling you. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2 and uh, verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is that? Who is, who is going to be taken out of the way? So the mystery of iniquity is working. It is working. I'll tell you what, that is corruption is setting in. Corruption is trying to take over. The man of sin, the antichrist, Satan's plot is coming to fruition. It is going to take over. It is going to corrupt everything that you see is what Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians. But he says, 
but there's somebody standing in his way. There's somebody keeping it from unraveling and falling apart. It is the Holy Ghost of God. And do you know why the Holy Ghost of God is still here? Because there are Christians here. There is a church here. There is salt in this earth. And as long as the salt is here, it will not fulfill what it is setting out. The corruption is trying to fulfill. Watch this. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Corruption setting in. Jesus looks at that crowd and he said, Corruption's already here. It's in your hearts, in the hearts of unbelievers. It's in the hearts of the politicians. It's in the hearts of the leaders. It's in the hearts of your neighbors. And it is taking over. But there's one thing there's salt in this earth. Ye are the salt of the earth. And I have placed you here to preserve. I have placed you here to keep it from falling apart. And here's my message to you tonight. And all of these things, they represent the church. All of these things, these attributes of salt, they define the church but the greatest attribute of the church is that she is a preserving agent in a lost and dying world and so what I want to say to you is keep on being salty keep on flavoring this world, keep on preserving righteousness and living to glorify God where you live, that corruption don't take over and it all fall apart, does that make sense? Let's stand tonight. Thank you. I want you to sing. If you want to pray, I don't know. Maybe you don't need to. I don't know. You just mind the Lord tonight.